Proverbs. We're right now in the, uh, by the way, if you don't, if you haven't been here for a while or if you're new, I have a website. <laughs> because you see, the problem is, is <laughs> did I say I have a website and all the notes are there? The problem is this. Huh? What? Read the notes. I'm going to give you a reference page so you can go back from that page. I'm going to start from page 172 in my volume two of Overview of the Bible Notes, okay? Because we are studying these books and you're coming into the middle of something that you, I'm going to reference where we are, but you're going to have no anchor to what we're studying because you haven't seen the notes before, you haven't been here. That's okay, you know, people come, people go. That's why I have a website, right? Thank you very much because you host it. Okay. So we're going over the, one, of the, the, one of the sections of, of uh, the, the Proverbs, and like every other book, you can actually divide it into sections of what it's trying to discuss. And right now we're in really one of the largest sections of Proverbs, which is called, which is called, I was going to say are called, but it is called, let me use proper grammar, the 13 lessons of wisdom. Now we've already gone over one and two, and we're going to go into the third lesson on wisdom, but um, I want to review with you just lesson two because it sort of segues into, into lesson three. Lesson two is in actually in two parts. And it's called, the part A is called the search for wisdom and its reward. And it's Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. So you see there aren't a lot of Proverbs that you have to dig through. You can read just 1 through 9 and get out of it the search for wisdom. And should you, remember we talked about if you were here, how it says to diligently, diligently search for wisdom. You know what that means, right? It means like you hear about the parable where the, the, um, this man finds a, a, a field of land and, and he finds within the middle of it a pearl of great price, a single small pearl. And he buys the whole plot of land. For what? So that he can irrigate and, and he can seed and, and, and dig and dung and grow crops? That would be in addition to the one thing he bought that land for, that pearl. That pearl is wisdom. Make no mistake about it. Wisdom from this book. I don't want you or me to get wisdom from anybody else's interpretation of this book. Remember, consider the source. Do some research. I challenge you, go on the internet. It takes five minutes to do some research. Type the name of the person who has the study. You'll find it in your bulletin. Get wisdom. Find out what they believe. Go to their website before you just come to a class that says, we're just going to do this Bible study on this book from Beth Moore or from whomever, John MacArthur. Okay, now you notice I said a couple names. I'm not telling you if they're bad or good. I have my own personal opinions. We've discussed some people in this class, but I guarantee you, you will be better off if you measure everything you learn by this. So you see, it's a cycle, isn't it? If you don't know this and you're depending on those lessons to get this, you already failed. You already failed the wisdom test. I've already failed the wisdom test. Am I too strong for you on this? This is for your own good. I know because I've been on both sides of this Bible. I've been on the side where I was told you could not eat pork. You needed to keep a strict Sabbath or you're going to hell. That's what I was told. And I believed it. And I was pointed to the scriptures in this book that told me that, that they pointed to. But when I read in Romans and other places in the New Testament that says the Mosaic law is for Israel and not under the New Covenant, you know what they said in that church that I went to? 
Oh, yeah, 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 that's all part of the scriptures, but it's too difficult for you to interpret. We need to tell you what that means. You see why I'm so hot about this? Okay, you can say I'm hot about a lot of things. <laughs> it's my personality. So we're going to talk about wisdom. That's how important this is. So, the search for wisdom and its reward. Three things are stressed here. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Three things are stressed here in the search and the, for wisdom and its reward. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. You see the condition here? It's not just accepting his words as the teacher and the commands of the teacher. It is also parsing them, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And further... If you call for insight and cry aloud, do you know, you ever, you ever need something so badly you call and cry aloud? We cry aloud when we're in pain for help, for help. That's good. We should. God hears those cries. How often, and I'm just, this is a rhetorical question, how often have you cried aloud for deep understanding? There are people I've talked to, not in this class, thankfully. But I'm telling you, there are people I've talked to inside this church and outside this church who will look at the book and say, you know, it's all Greek to me. Well, that's the New Testament for you. <laughs> there is one person who actually told me, who actually told me, they looked at the book of Revelation and they said, it's sort of like John was on acid when he wrote this book. Let me read you something very quickly about wisdom from this book. All right, I just happen to have a physical Bible here. Usually I don't have it with me. It says here, Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that which, that which shall be hereafter. It says in the beginning of this book, the revelation of... You know that this is the only book that was not written by a prophet, that was not written by one of the apostles. Jesus Christ dictated this book he was standing there with John and he dictated this book. And it says here, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him, John, to show unto his servants things that must shortly, shortly come to pass. And he sent and sanctified it by his angel unto himself, unto his, urge, his servant, John, who bear record. Verse 3, and this is what I want to leave you with in this. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. We have people who teach, the time's not hand, the time's not here, don't worry about it. We have people who say that that book, hey, he was on acid, he was on speed when he wrote it. Be careful. So, let's go to verse 3. And if you call out for insight, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 3, and cry aloud, as if paining for this. Cry aloud for understanding. And further, if that's not enough, and it's not, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, oh, like a piece of land that has a hidden treasure in it, that you find that hidden treasure and you buy it, after all of that, and only after all of that, in verse 5, what does it say? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of whom? God. What else does it say about the fear of the Lord? It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of 
Second, it is absolutely God-given and never the result of human effort. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6. For the prophets, does it say that? The apostles, your pastor, me, your teacher, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, your dog. How about a spirit? How about a breath prayer where you empty your mind in some form of hypnosis or yoga or something else or wait for the seven chakras to come up your spine, which some people preach and call themselves Christian? Is that what's going to give you wisdom? Do you need to look inside yourself for wisdom? Who gives wisdom? And from his come knowledge and understanding. Third, that God watches over and keeps in the center of his will. He holds victory in store for thee upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. Verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and what is just and fair. Every, every good path. And I have scriptures in Jeremiah. I'm not going to read them right now, but I was just reading them this morning. That said there are people who are shown the good path. And it says to also, long for the ancient days. It's talking about the, the basis of the beginning of God sharing his wisdom with Israel through the prophets, the oracles of God. And then we get this, right? Long for the basics, the ancient ways, the old paths, it says in Jeremiah. If you want the scripture, I have it written down here. Matter of fact, I printed it for a certain reason. Matter of fact, here. Jeremiah verse 6 and 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And when you find them, walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said... We will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Do you think that's only for Israel because it happens to be in the Old Testament? I am burdened. And I'm telling you, my wife and I have been absolutely deeply burdened for some things that we have known and seen in this world and specifically around people that we know. I will not share with you any more of that. But I will tell you, I will tell you, this is why we've been doing this research in Scripture. This is why I have this printed, and I have more in here which I'm not going to share with you right now. This is why God has us right now studying wisdom and filtering and making sure that you are not just associating with people to do good works. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Good works are fine, but it does not make up a church. Verse 10, Proverbs chapter 2. The key and benefit of cherishing and possessing and operating your life fully in wisdom. One of the only things you can own, other than the things you take up to heaven or send up to heaven right before you, is wisdom. So you have here, folks, all you have. You came in with nothing, and if you're a Christian, you leave with nothing except what you sent up in heaven. And God says, then you will inherit all things. You haven't gotten anything yet. You don't even own the clothes on your back. You came in with nothing. So did I. But you leave here with wisdom. Or lack of it. And you know that when we're judged at the beam of seat of Jesus Christ, that we will be saved, but some people will be, will be very, very sad because when their deeds are reviewed by God, Jesus is going to say, 
what have you done for me? Oh, you did all these works. You fed the poor, right? You gave money to the, to the, to the, to the uh, churches and, and the uh, pastors and all that. Fine, fine. But what have you done with my word? Do not mistake good works for good performance as a Christian. Don't do it. For wisdom will enter your heart, verse 10, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Verse 11, discretion. What is discretion? It is a willful intent of the heart to curtail oneself and to filter everything that one does and how you perform in this life and what you do is by what you learn. Right? Discretion is a willful guarding of your own heart and living in a contrite way. And I don't mean a sad way. You know what I'm talking about. Discretion will protect you. And understanding, wisdom, deep understanding will what? Make your life sweet? Well, it may be, it may be not an outgrowth of that, but it says what's most important, it will what? Guard you. Okay, now it says, for wisdom will enter your heart. And I can tell you this, the heart in Hebrew has a wider meaning than what you and I think in this realm. It does. Okay? It relates to intellectual and moral faculty. And I read you an article, most of you weren't here, this is going back, what, about three weeks ago, about what they're calling cellular memory. Anybody ever hear of cellular memory? You've heard of muscle memory? Well, I read an article, that is a true article, that there are people who have, have had heart transplants, and all of a sudden, they come up with memories of the donor, right? Some of you are shaking your head like you've heard this. I believe, because of the way God made physiology, that it's not all just the interface between your spirit and your brain. There's something in cellular memory in the heart. And I believe that the ancient Israelites, although they were no great physicians among them because they didn't have the technology and science we have today, they didn't have the understanding that we have today, I think we're seeing something that they knew. The heart is not just this thing that pumps your blood. It's not just a metaphor for the seat of your emotions. Your heart stores memories, it seems, from this article I read you, and by the way, the person who, who wrote this article has no axe to grind. They're not Christian. They're not Jewish. They're not whatever. They don't profess anything except science. They have actual proof that when someone came out of a heart transplant that they had memories of, as a matter of fact, there was one incident where they were able to sketch the murderer of the person who died who donated the heart because they were murdered, and they found the murderer through a sketch that the person who received the heart could make of the murderer after he received the heart and not even knowing the donor. <coughs> believe it if you want, or don't believe it if you want. I'm telling you what, what, what the Hebrews already knew. All right. Lesson three. Trust and obey for a full and rich life. Trust and obey okay and I am a teacher and I am very much under the gun God's eyes are on me and watching what I teach and I take that very seriously so do our pastors okay but your job is to watch me and if you hear anything you can come to me in private and tell me and we can we need to discuss it and we can debate it and we can agree to disagree on some things or what have you but you need to do the same thing about any message you hear from a Bible study from a canned Bible study, for people you don't even really know. As a matter of fact, the people who teach from these things don't even really know them. Do your research. Find out who I am. Find out who these people are. Find out who your pastors are. Find out who your elders are and just don't be friends for friends' sake. The people who you roll up to and have to do with. Right? Keep me honest. 
Because I'm not just here to be a friend. Remember, I told you a long time ago, I didn't even want this job. But God made it clear, Mike, I'm going to arm you, and I'm going to make you teach. He didn't say that to me, and I didn't have to find it in yoga or meditate on it. I didn't want it, but he made it clear through circumstances, this is what you are going to do, and I'm going to prepare you, and he did it. My wife was witness to it because she lived with me all those years when all of this was happening. That's why I'm so passionate about it, because I want for you what I already have and what I am sure of. I'm not caring about making friends. I don't care what you think of me. I don't. I don't. Look at my life. Look at my family. Trust and obey for a full, rich life. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. You can follow me. Simply, the theme is to trust and obey the words of the teacher of God's wisdom as a source of long and abundant life on the earth and as a preparation for long, of course, an eternal life and an abundant life in eternity with God. This is what this is talking about. Okay? So, in that context, let's read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. My son, do not forget my teaching and keep my commands in your Oh, this thing called the heart again. Isn't that interesting? For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your, here we go again, heart. Then, you see, what's nice about these Proverbs, they give you these things to do, they give you some conditions, and if you follow them, then it gives you a conclusion. This is the goal of all of this. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's why I told you I'm not concerned about what you think of me. Because all you have to do is look at my life. And I'm not bragging because I was an average human being and I still am an average human being. But I know that I've done some bad things and wrong things in my life and I've, I've, been, I've been allowed, I've been given the privilege of not wanting to do those things anymore of resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting and sinning and falling and coming back to the Lord, keeping a shorter and shorter list with Him. That's what it's all about. Remember what I said to you a couple weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen? It is not just about forgiveness. That is incomplete. Forgiveness without repentance is license. People are always asking for forgiveness. Forgive me, forgive me. And then they say, well, Jesus said, how many times should I forgive? Seven times seven? That's true. So you got to forgive me. I'll keep coming back and stealing your money. I'll keep doing this and doing that to you, but you got to keep forgiving me every time I do it. I'll keep coming back and, and abusing you some way, some form, and forgive me. Oops, I did it again. And I told you, oops, I did it again. What's her name that did that song? I'm forgetting her name. Not that I need to remember it. But what do you think that tells the public? When does discipline have to be interceding here? When does a strong word say, enough? Go and repent. Go and repent. And then ask for forgiveness too. Do you understand that? I've had to do that. Because I played the game. Living the Christian life is not a charmed life. Right? But it's not also to just to make you feel pious or to feel like, Either that or, what's worse, and I see this in more Christians today, it's so sheepish you can't raise your voice. <laughs> right. See, look at me. I'm happy. No, I am joyful. I'm, I am very, because my heart has been burdened. You know I'm strong anyway. There is a spirit infiltrating the churches, and this is a church within the churches. Be ready with wisdom. 
So let's see this. Long life and happy. <laughs> my son, chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching and keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of the heart. Then you will win favor and a good name inside of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own or, and I'll add this because this is really very strong, whatever you learn becomes your own understanding. Do we agree? So if you learn that two and two equals five because you went to one of these government-run schools, <laughs> that becomes what you understand, correct? And if people have labeled you something, either you're great as you grow up, you've learned that and you understand that and you erroneously think you're better than you are. And there have been many people who've been called stupid. I had an abusive father, and he wasn't very nice to me. Very abusive father. And I could have either, A, grown up with a, I'm scared to talk to anybody, because they're going to hurt me, or they're going to say you're no good. And I've been told, been told I've been no good by the best of them. Sometimes they've been right, not no good, but maybe not up to snuff. But most of the time, thankfully, they're wrong. It's because, like I just got laid off a little while ago. Do you think I took it personally? No. I did the best I could. And matter of fact, my manager didn't even want me to get laid off, but he couldn't do anything about it. So I didn't get fired. I got laid off. But if I look at it just for what I might learn from that, oh, you're not, you're not good enough. No, it wasn't that. It was for other reasons, which many of you know, right? So you don't listen to anything, whether it's, let me say this the right way. You filter everything. But you better know this. And if you think that you just can't open Scripture because you won't ever understand it, you've been lied to. If you think, not you, but I mean if any of us think that Revelation was, was John tripping, that's blasphemous to me. Don't even say it. Just say, I don't understand. Well, come to my class. You'll understand. Go to my website. I got a website. <laughs> I have a study of the book of Revelation and Daniel. If you want to do that, if you're so inclined, do the study of Daniel first. And then do Revelation and see if something doesn't click. I, I challenge you, take the time to do it. And then test, see if, that, if what I tell you or what anybody tells you is good. Okay. Chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching and keep my commands in your heart. Okay, let's see, chapter 5, trust in, oh, sorry, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6 in chapter 3, in all your ways, acknowledge him in everything you do, everything you say, everything you think. You know this, I'm not telling you anything new, but I'm telling you how deceptive the human heart can be. There are times that I don't want to bring my thoughts into the captivity of Christ. Sometimes I'm a little embarrassed. Oh, forgive me. Okay, and he does. But if I don't rope myself in, and make myself do the right things or keep myself from doing the wrong things. I slipped up. I slipped up. Oops, I did it again. I am not going to have that relationship with God that I want, that I need, especially me as a teacher. God is listening right now what I'm saying. I better be telling you the truth. Okay? But I'm saying, even you yourselves are teachers. You realize that, right? You are here to spread the good news, right? You better know about Jesus Christ, right? You better be living it. You better know the scriptures. And the more you know the scriptures, the more, I guarantee you, the more opportunities God will give you with various people in various stages of life from various religious backgrounds or, or current religious knowing. Anybody ever witnessed to a Muslim? How about a Jew? Right? 
You think God's going to send those people to you if you don't know anything but Christ and Him crucified. All I know is I love the Lord. I can point to the four Gospels. I'm, I am being funny a little bit, but you know what I'm talking about because I was worse than that when I was a new Christian. I was a legalist. I didn't even understand what grace was. I wanted to bang this book over there. And you look at my personality. You think when I bang somebody with the Bible, it, ain't, it is a little tight. God had to chastise me for that. But he didn't break me. He didn't break me. Now I use this force for good, I hope. You will not find somebody who's going to please you here. <laughs> I don't care what you think of me. Don't come. Go somewhere else. You notice we don't have people breaking down the doors to come in here. Okay? And I don't know how a lot of people hit my website from different places, but I don't keep track of that. It's not my business. It's God's business. I'm here to sow seed. And so are you. Chapter 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. At the same time. Those are both really good to do at the same time. By the way, shun evil. Don't entertain it. Don't clap for evil. Or those that do evil, don't be their close friends and clap for them even though they're in the middle of sin. If you love somebody, you warn them. And if you love somebody and they will not repent of their sin, you shun them. You hand them over to Satan. You want some scriptures? You want some scriptures to prove it? I told you a couple weeks ago, and some of you were not here to hear this. I had a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who I was leading to the Lord. And this man professed Christ. He did. He had me duped. He started learning scripture. I spent a lot of time with this man. Is this something I said? You're going to go find this man? Oh, okay. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Go I'm just trying to line it up. Yeah, I'm, that's right. And where's my apple for the t-shirt? All right. I was only teasing. Um, so anyway, so this man had me well duped, right? Be careful. There are wolves out there in sheep's clothing. You know, he wasn't even getting anything from me except God's word. I spent time with him. You know what he did? He decided, and he has a piece about it because this is what he told me. His marriage broke up. Divorce, which is awful. He's got uh, some kids, young kids. Then he moves out of the area, from this area, and he moves into New Hampshire, and uh, next, next time I hear from him, he's shacking up with this woman. Yes, shacking up. You don't like that term? They're not married. They're living together, having sexual relations. They're shacking up. And he's going now to the Catholic Church, and that has nothing to do with the Catholic Church, but he's going to the church. He probably, maybe he reads scripture. I don't know. And you know what he said to me? He feels a peace about his life. He was railing against his ex-wife for things that she was doing, which was, by extension, teaching their daughters. And now he's doing the same thing. And when I approached him with it, I scolded him. This is what you need to do with your friends or people that are close to you. So I told him, what about your daughters? You at one time were railing against your ex-wife for what she was doing. You know what she was doing, right? You have an idea of what I'm talking about, which is teaching the daughters. It's okay. And he was angry at that. I said the same thing to him on the phone when I was scolding him about shacking up with this woman. And see how I'm talking to you right now? This is how I was talking to him. And he said to me, it's okay for them. It's okay for them because they're of age. This is exactly opposite of what you said not that long ago. But now that you're doing it, it's fine. You see what sin does? 
So let's talk about wisdom. Do not be wise in your eyes and shun evil. Don't toy with it. Don't play with it. It is your job and my job to know it and to detail it and to shun it. Warn gently and warm firmly. And everything, like I said, I've said this before, everything's in the context of a relationship, right? So you can't take somebody off the street and tell them to repent, the Lord is near. But you can if they're a friend. Or how about a brother or an aunt or an uncle or a mother or a father, right? That The context of the relationship gives you the license you need to go as far as you can, but doing this all the time. Don't worry about if you have license to do it. Figure that out in the context of the relationship. I have no business scolding somebody in the world for shacking up right? But I do have a business. It is my personal charter to take someone that I know who's sitting openly and tell them in no uncertain terms, this is evil. You are wrong. Am I off base here? Anybody disagree with this? If they're a brother, absolutely. He proclaimed that he was Christian. Yeah, that's right. So Thank you. Yes. It's perfectly that's right. Well, if they're your friend and their family, you may not be able to say anything. But you may, depending on how close you are, be able to allude to something better for their lives. You see what I'm saying? You know, I'm not like this with everybody. I'm like this with you because I'm preaching to the choir. I want to encourage you. If there's any influence outside of this, it's wherever you go in life, here, there, here, there, here, there, anywhere, watch and be ready to give an answer. Even if it's something that's unpleasant depending on the context of the relationship, okay? If you and I are closest, like I said to you, to someone who's doing something blatant, and they especially, as you're right, they call themselves a brother or a sister, their blood is on my hands if I just, happy birthday, I love you. You look great in that picture with you so-and-so. You're so nice. Let's go on Facebook and talk to each other. Amen. And all, but and, and it's right. And, and what spirit is going to manipulate that little thing or the Ouija board? Right. You're opening a portal. Oh, I am so honored that you are saying something. And again, you proved the point. You know about it only because of the relationship you have with this person. There are plenty of people outside who are doing Ouija boards. There may be other people in this church who are doing this stuff, but I don't know. But if I don't know, I can't say anything about it, neither can you. Thank you. That's an excellent case in point along with the example I gave. And the real life examples are worth something, aren't they? Yes. yes. Amen. You're compelled, right? You're compelled. That's, good. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And I guess the family is pretty dynamic. And what do you mean by as far dynamic? As I love that. Together, yes. uh, very friendly, family-oriented. Oh, lovely. Dysfunctional in the, in the series. Yeah, whatever. but not too bad. Nothing too and bad. Yeah. these weird little inclinations, and the family will be on to her about, oh, did something just happen? Did somebody just speak to you? And mm -hmm. it's all about how she's in touch with yeah. me. Isn't that funny, though? And I had to bring the same thing I said to her. Yeah. 
Sorry. The Bible specifically warns us about being in touch with the other side. Familiar spirits. And it has nothing to do Amen. with God. Amen. God does not speak to us that way. And, right, and watch she for the messages. The of course. And, and you know what, Veronica, to that point, to, I think you were going to make the same point. This goes back to what I was saying before. There are preachers of the word. There are teachers who have canned wonderful book studies. And if you look for a moment on the internet, you will see that they are into emptying your mind and letting Jesus speak to you. And you know, to a new Christian or a marginal Christian, that sounds okay. That's the problem. It's superstition. It's superstition. It's superstition, and it opens the mind, the portal. Yes. On the History Channel, the other day, my husband had on, they had a thing with the presidents, and something to do with way back even in Washington's to this spiritualists talk to them and show them the future and each president. Oh, great. Yes, they did. You're right. Oh, Didn't you see gosh. that show too, Rachel? I saw some of it. Each president, how they were yeah. affected this person. Oh, let me tell you. So, so we've talked about the Freemasons. We've talked about all the occultism in this class. The inauguration. You know what the inauguration actually is a, is a term from? It's a term from what they used to do with the Pharaoh in Egypt. To make him, when he became Pharaoh, the inauguration was to make him the next successor to be the god of the underworld when he died. I told you, I'll tell you again, that nice obelisk in Washington, D.C. is 666 feet tall. Anybody recognize that number? And another 100 feet below, 777 feet, which also has some occultic things related to it. And then there is also the Capitol building behind it with a nice belly at the top. And there is the goddess Columbia. And that is the pregnant belly of Isis, who's been inseminated by the male member of Osiris, who was chopped up into pieces by his brother, and she found every single piece except one. So she made one magically out of something else, and the reflecting pool in front of all of that is to make channel the rays of the sun god Ra, to warm the phallic symbol so that the seed will be ready and at the point in time when all is ready, it will impregnate the belly of Isis and it will give birth to Apollyon. You think I made that up? This is what these people believe, folks. Look at the Vatican. It's the same thing. You have an obelisk, not as tall as the one in Washington. They had to make it taller. And then you have the St. Peter's Basilica with the pregnant belly of Isis. And I've done a lot of research on what's going on inside that Vatican. Let me tell you, they, they gave the throne of the Catholic Church ceremoniously to Satan in June of 1963. <gasps> Shocking! It's true. It's true. Let me, give you, let me leave you with something good. Yes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 to 20, and we're going to wrap up here. Lesson 4. As delighting in the Lord are the delights of wisdom. Remember, we're supposed to delight in our Lord, right? With all of this watching and, and the burden of living here. But let's face it, we just proved how much of a burden we are under because that's why we're left here. Otherwise, God can take us home when we become Christian. Why doesn't he just take us home instead of being burdened with all of this? Watching and filtering and listening to what people say and watching what they do and listening to their messages and listening to their tapes and their books. It's a good burden, but it is. So let's talk about this. And the extension to the third lesson, which was trust and obey for a full, rich life, okay? An extension to that, you could also delight in the Lord. And I want, you to, I want you to go away with this thought. You are to delight in your Lord. I do. Ask Him for things that you want. 
Tell him the things that you need. And he says, do not worry. Right? An extension to the third lesson. Here, wisdom is shown also to provide consistent delight. And let me tell you something. She is my companion all the time. And I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm not saying because I'm telling you I knew what it was like to think I was smart and not have wisdom. I have wisdom now. I want it for you. Now you may look at me and say, man, you just want to make, make us think you're so white. No. I know the difference because I was on both sides of that coin. And if you know the difference now, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, please make it your business to do it now more than ever. Now more than ever. Because wisdom will guard, ooh, we just read that, guard your heart. It will give you deep understanding and give you proper understanding of the fear of the Lord. And then you, this will not be a secret to you. You know, it says in the New Testament that we can't know the hour of the day. And everybody says, oh, we can't know the hour of the day, so we don't have to watch. That's what some people say, right? If you're on my email list, I sent you some scriptures a couple weeks ago. And in that was the scripture that says, we are commanded not to be blind. We are to know. Not the day of the hour. By the way, did you know the day of the hour doesn't mean Christ's second coming? Did you know that? We can know when Christ is coming the second time. Oh, blasphemy! We're not supposed to know that. How do you say that, Michael? When does Christ's second coming happen? As far as the biblical Bible says. When? Soon. But, what is, but when we want to know a time frame. How do we measure that? How do we measure it? You're right, it's soon. The end, ah, right. There's the seven-year uh, 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 tribulation, right? And then after seven years, what ends the tribulation? Christ. What marks the beginning of the tribulation? The Bible says to know exactly the day and the hour the tribulation will start. Did you know that? Oh, it doesn't give a date. But it gives an exact indicator. You can tell. And if you are here to see this, you were left behind. So what is that marker? Yeah. It's not only, sorry, go ahead. Yes, it's all part of it. Absolutely. The mar you're absolutely right. The key is this, and it includes that. The marker is the one who is revealed to be Antichrist, and only that person is revealed when that person successfully rises to world prominence to go to the Middle East and sign a seven-year, it has to be seven years, a seven-year full peace accord with Israel and all of her neighbors. And he will have the military might to back it. And then he will tell Israel, this is coming to what you're saying, which is true, not only is it a peace accord, remember all peace accords were to give the Palestinians land or to give something up, right? Or to keep peace. This peace accord will say, Israel, you will be allowed to rebuild your temple, which is what you were talking about. And further, Israel, I love you so much that you will be allowed to reestablish the daily sacrifices, the slaughter of animals as far as the Old Testament goes. You will have the implements, the temple, you will have everything. You know that they're ready to do it, Israel? All they need is their Messiah. So let's wrap up with this. We've got to wrap up here. Chapter 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. I've been disciplined by the Lord. And let me tell you, it's made me the man I am today. Take it or leave it. Right, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> right, Rachel? And uh, is there something I said? And do, not, <laughs> and, and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. And you've seen the returns gold has been yielding these days, right? Yes. 
She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. Tree of life? Tree of life, anybody? Garden of Eden? Coming back at the end of the book of Revelation, when paradise comes back to this earth and sits in Jerusalem. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, those who lay hold. You see, this is a willful thing. If you embrace her, if you fall in love with her, if you make yourself grab onto her and hold her as your most precious love, then she will be a blessing. You will be blessed. Then it says, oh, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. Isn't that a good recommendation of the value of wisdom? By understanding, he set the heavens in place. God used wisdom to create. And what is God, if anything, but a creator? So, he had to use wisdom to create. Do you see that's the stamp of approval? By his knowledge, the depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. That's all I got for you today. Should be enough. I want you to come away with this. Don't listen to my, you know, you may think, well, I'm, I'm animated. Yes, I am. I am animated because this is life. I'm trying to share with you life. You can take it or leave it, and I think you're going to take it. I want to encourage you that it is free. You see, it's not just salvation that's free. That's the entry stakes. This is free for the asking. But you have to want it so much that you'll take it without paying a price for it. You have to know that God wants you, you, average Joe and Joan, to know this. And you to discern those who want to or may not even realize because they don't have wisdom and don't love wisdom. So they default to a certain earthly wisdom and a certain wisdom that's coming from above. You know, in the occult, they say, so above as below. Did you know that? You ever hear that in the occult? But to a new Christian or a Christian that's marginal, that may sound like what the Bible says. Use wisdom to parse everything you hear. Everything you hear. Everything. And she will guide your heart. And she will give you grace. And she will give you peace. Although your heart will be burdened when you see things that go against her. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you Sunday.